This is Tyrell Cannon, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Oh, that was excellent. First try. I'm so happy when that happens. <laughs> right? Oh, indeed. It does feel like it's been a long time since the last episode. Which is weird, because it's... Strange. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Today. But it was a heavy episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were all up in it. It's nice to just kick back and sip on some, sip on some drink and uh, talk about booze. Yeah. I'm going all ages this episode. How about that? Oh, big facts. That's yeah. Hot. And then I'll totally destroy it with my inner travels. I was going to say, I'm going the opposite direction, so... <laughs> well, that's yeah, a nice so mix. It's a nice mix. All ages and some little bit uh, on the mature side and some animal nipple. Oh, nice. Hey, everybody. You know where you are. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 783. And I'm Vince B. Yowza. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and don't call me an ass, even though I'm a Peleus. Oh, you're not an ass. You're not a Peleus either. You're Jason Wood, everybody, in the house for this. A regular episode for a change. Book of the Month is in our rearview mirror, and we will tell you what the next Book of the Month is, because we just decided before recording this thing. We picked it. Now, will the patrons that get the bonus up hear that chess discussion? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it'll be after the fact, but yes. Right, right, right. Yeah, I yeah they'll that. see the actual decision-making process, which is very scientific. Well, they'll hear it, but yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, if they'll see it in their mind's eye. Yes. You and you know what you'll see in your mind's eye if you go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, you will see thousands of books available for discount prices. It's amazing. dcbservice.com has the books you want at the price you want to pay. Guess what? The list of specials has been posted. I've plucked three of them. I think you'll enjoy these. From Image, we got a little book called Grip of the Combinat. This was written and drawn by Damon Gentry and Simon Roy. Good old Simon Roy from uh, Island and uh, I want to say Punisher. Uh, Damn it. Uh, so here's <laughs> it's profit. So here's the push. Here's the push on this. Two mega corporations wage an eternal tug of war for the ruins of future solar system. Pulpy sci-fi adventure, escalating unintended consequences, wry satire, and pure goofery combine in seven potent chapters of comics entertainment to make grip of the combinat an unholy love child of Paul Verhoeven. And Isaac Asimov. Hmm. A, an original graphic novel from the deranged minds of comics Wunderkinder, Simon Roy, Prophet, Habitat, First Knife, and Damon Gentry, Sabertooth Swordsman, and Vinegar Teeth. If you look at the cover of this thing, there's definitely a Brothers Hildebrandt vibe going on with the color choices, which was the thing that attracted to me, to me in the first place. And then I saw Simon Roy and Damon Gentry. I'm like, damn it, I'm getting it. Um... It is a sixteen ninety nine trade paperback, but ha ha ha, you will not pay that. 
you are going to get it 40% off, $10.19. That's crazy. The meat in the middle is coming from Last Gasp. It's Heaven's Door Extra Work graphic novel from Keiichi Koike. It's a sci-fi manga collection of psychedelic short stories by Keiichi Koike, uh, a drug in paper form, it's called. This is his first full-length book published in English. A magnificent ronin, a warrior without a master, one of the few authors to resist the cynical formatting of the current manga industry. Mobius said that. Uh, contents, knocking on heaven's door, 3,000 leagues in search of Mother Lazarus, Franco's 4AM, the Ronin, and C. Looper, Kenbo's Diary, Sponge Generation, Airway, Stereoscope, Horizon Landed. There is no punctuation in that sentence at all. Uh, again, this is a 1995 graphic novel or anthology. Let's call it what it is. You're not going to pay that. Nope. You're getting it for $13.97, which, if you do the math, 30% off. And last, but certainly not least, the uh, Method to My Madness from Harper Alley. This is Lightfall, hardcover graphic novel, volume two, Shadow of the Bird. I'm not going to read the synopsis of this, because Dap and I are in deep uh, on this series. I'm just going to tell you. It is written and drawn by Tim Probert. You're going to hear more about it later. The uh, hardcover version goes for $22.99. You can have it for $16.09. That's 30% off. Or if you'd rather the softcover version, I don't recommend it, but if you'd rather that, you can have it for $9.09. That's also 30% off. DCBService.com gets you the stuff you want at the price you want to pay. Just go there. Or how, about, how about that, Dap? I didn't read the synopsis. That's I'm. I ain't doing it. Not I'm, doing I'm, it. I'm, I'm. Knock me over with a feather. I. Well, I did. So I'm going to continue. Um, what you I read have, the synopsis? No. Oh, okay. I have the uh, soft cover of the first volume, so oh. I'm going to stick with that. Dap. I don't know why, actually. I don't know why. I, I, obviously, they were both solicited. Yeah, both same time. Funny was so. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was a budget thing. It was likely a budget thing, or if it was just like I don't know if. In case this doesn't grab me. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, so. Yeah. That but, and caution. And, yeah. and actually, you know what? And and yes, it is all. But I mean, I. I brought it to work this week, so I could I I, I could refresh. And, and read the first two dozen pages as I went through to finish it. And I mean, it, it's, I kind of, for, for this story, for this style, I, I, the, the paperback is, is fitting for me. I mean, it's, it's, and it's a heavy book and it's still on good paper. The cover's nice. It's got the spot varnish. I really, really like it. I, I I'm not, it, there are situations where if I would have had the option and it, I'd have regrets, and and they, I should have went with the hardcover, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm okay. I'm I'm content. I'm happy with 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 my choice from over a year ago. Um, yeah, longer than that. Because when I saw the, uh, when when I saw this 
the solicit in, in the previews, and then I, was, I saw your your video was released, but I and and I'm looking at through the I'm like, oh shit, yeah, they did have both versions, but the um, uh, do we did I I don't know if I ever saw that there was. Do we know how many books we're looking at for this series? No, that's uh, a big old question mark that we're going to okay. have to put on pause till we get to it. Okay. Because we got to take care of business here. We do. Jason. Yes, sir. Talk up the book of the month, man. Oh, the book of the month. You want me to break it? You want me to break the news? Oh, yes, I do. All right. Well, after, as Vince alluded, after intensely scientific and laborious machinations behind the scenes you should go to Penn. your february book of the month is the fist of the north star volume one yes and if i'm not mistaken i'm i haven't confirmed this but i'm assuming the situation going into this is new to me new to dep not new to vince true true and true there we go yeah and uh i shoot all right, no, we'll we'll save it for the episode when we do the book of the month, and we'll thank the two people. Very who true. Recommended yeah. it. Okay, yeah. I before, love that. I love doing that. That's going to be great. Before we, while we are talking business, though, there's something, two things we we need to give some love to. Um, the first one uh, I actually meant to give some love to last week, uh, and and forgot because we were so focused on. Uh, as people know that are caught up, we, we, we talked about mouse last week, but we like were laser focused on mouse and only mouse. We kind of had an unusual episode structure. But um, so two crowdfunding campaigns are currently live from uh, two of our very good friends and talented creators um, that we have happily touted their stuff for almost as long as the shows existed. Uh, up first, because it's more time sensitive is uh jay gonzo is got his second volume of the much loved la mano del destino uh so the he's launching the new series with a 80 page giant sized issue uh and it's uh appropriately called la mano del destino series two and uh vince did you know that, he, that la mano grapples with his most insidious opponent yet the siren call and casual compromise of a glamorous lifestyle beyond his wildest imaginings. It's like he's peering into your life, Vince. It's true. An old friend also reemerges in desperate need of Lamano's help, but can he remain focused enough to fulfill the duties of his newfound position while also appeasing the obligations of this new lifestyle? I don't know, but we're going to find out. And if you would like to support... Uh, Lamano Volume 2, and of course you should if you haven't already. You can find it not on Kickstarter. Um, it's a, it's on a, a newer crowdsourcing site called Zoop. Z-O-O-P. Uh, you could just Google Zoop, or if you want to go to the URL directly, it's zoop.gg. That's weird. Yeah, very weird. Don't know what the GG stands for. GG Allen, sure. the murder junkies. Gotta go. Gotta go. Um, and he's got, uh, Jay's always good with his campaigns. He's got a lot of different priced volumes and, and, and goodies. If you're an art fan, he's got a very affordable commission tier. He's got posters. You can get the, uh, the first volume, a signed copy of the first volume that, uh, was just recently published through image. 
But uh, very good stuff. And he only has, uh, as you're listening to this, he has seven days left in the campaign, and he isn't quite at his goal yet. So, uh, so I can definitely say uh, I am a backer, and I encourage you all to consider if you've got some shekels and would like to see more Lamano. And then, uh, not to be outdone, uh, another friend of the show, Mr. Matthew Allison, is putting out a book that I know we knew was coming for a while and are now uh, officially very excited. Uh, and that is the Cancor Collected Edition Hardcover. My yes. goodness, yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, Matthew is taking all eight single issues that are long out of print uh, and putting them into a 216-page hardcover with an estimated ship date of July 2022. Um and first of all, uh, kudos to, to to Matthew and the and the the Kankerites because this was fully funded. I think within three hours of its launch. Yeah. And so he's ready to go. This is actually happening. So there's no doubt about this one. If you back it, you're going to get the book. Um, there are 28 days left. It just went live a few days ago. And this too is not on Kickstarter. I don't know. All these folks are are making moves, not faking moves elsewhere. And this is on a platform that I had not heard of until Matthew launched on it and gave us the the 411. It is on a site called Fundraiser, but uh Razor like the uh the little scooter. So it's F U N D R A Z R fundraiser.com and it's Canker Book. So check that out. Uh I got to say I back a lot of crowdsourcing campaigns and Matthew is charging $35 for a 216-page hardcover. That is very, very good. That's good, good value. Good, good value. Yeah. So check those out. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, they're both going to be excellent, and I'm, I very much would appreciate you all supporting them because I selfishly would like to get a hold of them. Yeah, and don't forget that good, good value becomes an even greater value the more people jump on this ship. So he's going to be introducing... Uh, extra bits like you know the the typical kickstarter module when when it gets to a certain level something's added and another level something else is added so i'm sure that 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 good value is going to be a great value i do want to um since we're shouting out our our uh our peoples with and, and their projects i do uh want to congratulate um <laughs> Carl and Jenna for their successful campaign for Lady Mayhem. We uh, oh, that's yeah. right, Mayhem. It wasn't um, didn't get to, to pimp it on the show, but uh, and and Cult of Icarus number one came out today, uh, so it's it's a good time to be Carl Slavinsky and uh, and Jenna Lynn Wright. But uh, but yeah, I was I was delighted to see that uh, that it hit it, and um, look forward to uh, to reading it. True that. I'm drinking beer. What kind, kind of, of beer it. are you drinking? Well, it's from Heavy Seas, mm-hmm. and it's called Loose Cannon IPA, and it's it's very good. Doesn't have a, a lot of slapback to it, which I enjoy the slapback. Yeah, but, you do. Uh, this is a little bit of a smooth IPA, which I mean, it sounds like an oxymoron, right? But uh, it is, and I enjoy it. So that's what I'm kicking. Like Jason. That's right, kicking it old school. 
Shout out to Snoop Dogg. Well, hold on. Shout out to Snoop Dogg, since we're kicking it old school, for buying back Death Row Records. Well, he's not buying it back. He didn't own it ever. But he acquired Death Row Records today from the from the record label that had the imprint. So that's kind of cool, going old school. Um, I am drinking, well, I have here a, a thing of water, and then I also have a can of watermelon grape seltzer. Talk about Snoop Dogg some more. Yeah, I know. It's more interesting to talk about Snoop Dogg, to be honest. So. You're always interesting. You can talk about, like, cream-colored paint. You paint the cost to be You the can cost, read the you know? phone book. <laughs> Page 352. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I always know Daph's going to pick us up, though. He's got something special, I'm sure. I, You know what? I, I kind of do. This this um, this um, kind of knocked my socks off. Uh, the uh, the young lass at the uh, the liquor store recommended it. It, it they had some new um some new reds on the shelf and i'm looking at a couple things and uh of course the new new doesn't have the price on it so i'm asking and uh that it was one item that i asked for but then right next to it was this and she goes the unrated is really good and she ain't lying this is uh this is unrated subtitled no rules uh against the grain and rebel hearted this extra with no e cab doubles down on the bold. It is fourteen point five alcohol by volume. Cabernet Sauvignon from twenty eighteen, born in Chile, and it is flipping delectable. I am really happy with this. I don't know if the bottle will be empty by the time we're done. Uh, mm. I won't be upset if it is, but um, I got to get back to the store and and get more. It is extremely good. Nice, nice. All right, comics. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, what do we got, Jason? Well, since you're going all ages, let's let's drive off all of the people who might be listening with their kids uh, right ahead. Yeah, to start. that's a, that's a smart move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I introduced myself as a, as a, as a Peleus, and that's because one of the things that I read this past week here is from Humanoids, and that is Milo Manara's The Golden Ass. Ah, yes. Indeed. Um, and uh, let's just be very clear. This is explicit erotica. There's there's balls, there's shafts, there's 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 penetration. There's and I'll be blunt. There's a there's some bestiality <laughs> uh, because the premise of the book is it's based on a a uh, an ancient uh, Roman uh, bit of lore uh, where a young messenger um basically gets into a situation at a home that he's delivered a message to and he stays overnight he starts making whoopee pie with the with their their handmaiden uh he had heard that the woman of the house is uh is uh a magic wielder a witch and it turns out she is and after some some rather hedonistic run-ins for a while. He ends up uh, pissing her off and gets turned into a jackass, a donkey. And then the other half of the book is about his adventures uh, as a donkey, where he's his he's kind of changed hands in his ownership several times. And um, and yes, there's even a a, a moment where um, he, as a donkey, is uh, in coitus with uh, with 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 a woman. Um, so it's it's definitely racy. It's definitely edgy. Uh, again, it's an ancient story that that Milo Minara, who is known for erotic uh, comics, 
adapted and uh, I had not been familiar with the story, thought it was fascinating. Uh, and, um, you know, again, it's very much erotic. I wouldn't say it's like titillating because it's, you know, it's a little weird, but but I, I thought it was terrific. And Humanoids does a really nice job. It's a beautiful hardcover. Uh, it, it's a oversized purple hardcover with, uh, you know, Manara art is always a sight to behold. Um, it's a pretty small book. Like it's, it's a, it's, it's like a fable. It's only 56 pages. So it's more, it's built more like one of those European novellas that, uh, they proliferate in that we don't get around here as much. And I'd love to go to Europe and buy lots of them at some point in my life. But, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Definitely, uh, fun stuff, naughty stuff. And, uh, I wish we got more of this. So keep it up, humanoids. You know, there's not a lot of quality uh, examples from this book online. There are a couple, but very low res. And um, I'm a little bit perturbed because I'm liking what I see. Of course, it is Manara. Uh, the man can draw like nobody's business. But uh, it looks um, it looks foul. It looks like it's right up my alley. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, it's, it's hard for explicit... And like I said, I mean, at one point, uh, yeah, he's, he's, there's a, there's a donkey show. I see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing that used to bug me a little bit when uh, heavy metal would have uh, Manara stories included is the uh, very strategic placement of the word balloons. Yes. And it's like, you know, that there's something underneath that. And, uh, you know, the publishers and, and Eastman did it. In, uh, during his tenure, the Eastman and, and the, the publishers would make sure that, you know, the really explicit stuff wouldn't appear. And I'm like, that's not fair. And I believe this was actually printed in heavy metal. Um, but I should have mentioned this is the uncensored version. Like right. When you get the book, it's in a shrink wrap and it's a big sticker on it says uncensored version. Right. So... And that's the image that you will see in our gallery for this episode. Ah, It's the one with the uncensored version sticker. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw the cover sans sticker, and it's gorgeous. They're both gorgeous, but I mean... Oh, yeah. yeah. Listen, Monaro draws... I mean, a Monaro woman is is something that, if you've seen it, you know it. Right, right. right. It's a certain style. Very very thin, tall, long-legged. Like, he has a type. Is it, well, I was just going to say that. It's amazing how much of the uh, preference each artist uh, displays on their, their, their women types. Because, you know, Corbin had, his, had his, uh, his Karens with the large breasts and the child-rearing hips. And Minara has a more svelte, um, athletic frame. And then you got uh, Serpieri, who likes them... He them big, with, big with bottoms, yeah, yeah, and hairy. Um, so it, it's just it's fascinating to see the the uh, uh, desires mm-hmm. of the artists come out in the finished work. Here's the question: Yeah, you can only read or look at images from one of them, Manara or Serpieri, for the rest of your life. Who do you pick? Manara, no problem. Yeah, interesting. Yep, I think Manara is a better draftsman. Yeah, I think he's a better overall storyteller or cartoonist, but Sir Pieri's women's I like a little better, I think. Oh, yeah, but there's there's a very, very high uh, abuse content 
in Serpieri's books. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, she gets battered and, and raped and abused and beaten around. Where mm-hmm. Minara seems to, yeah, he's a he's a, a pig like us, but Minara seems to allow the woman to take, um, from like click. Okay, maybe not click one and click two, but um, <laughs> he he seems to let the women take charge more often than not. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, but whatever. Okay. It's it's all pretty pictures, sure. and, and you didn't you didn't gear your question towards who, who is the better overall storyteller. You said, you know, what woman would you rather you know look at? That's right. And it would definitely be Minara's, even even still. All good. Yeah. Neat. Well, I think Dap and I are up because we read the same thing. Oh, tag team back again. Yeah, it's always fun when we can share there ideas. Yeah, on stuff. Uh, as let me get the book because it's over here. But as Dap said um, in the intro, we both ordered this book uh, more than a year ago because this came out in 2020. Yeah, and uh, for whatever reason, mine went on the shelf, and uh, I'm sure Dap's went on the shelf, and we forgot about it, and and didn't. You know, didn't crack that baby open, but uh, I was kind of forced to do so because in this v- previews, the which is issue 401, the second volume of this series is offered. And I'm like, well, I got to make my informed decision. I need to know what's up with this book. So uh, I read book one and I let Dap know about it. And Dap said, sure, I'll read it. It'd give me an excuse to read it. And we both read Lightfall, book one. The Girl and the Galdurian. And you got to excuse me in any of this. If I say Galadorian, give me, cut me a little leeway. Because when you see that word, we being ROM fans, it, it automatically goes to Galadorian. But whatever. So it's Galdurian, which was written and illustrated by Tim Probert, published by Harper Alley. Now, um, in my research for this book, Tim was nominated for a Spectrum Award for this book. Did not know that. Um, and rightly so. I don't know whether uh, he won or not. But rightly so because the the visuals on this book are sumptuous. But it's much more than that. It, the book is just an amazing um, opening salvo in what looks to be a, a long, long-running uh, fantasy epic. Wouldn't you say, Dap, like, they're not even at, you know, s- step one and the book comes to a close. Like, it's a cliffhanger. It is a cliffhanger. Yeah. But So here's the rub. And <laughs> I had to smile at, like Dap. He's so fond of smiling. But um, when, when you open this book, what's the first thing you see, Dap? A map. A map. The, the best fantasy books have maps. And this one has it. It's, it is a, a map of the the land of Irpa, I-R-P-A. And it is a, a realm without sun. There's no, no sun in the sky. And it, it happened um, in the mythology of the realm. It happened a while back. The sun just went away. Uh, so uh, enterprising races like the, the Galdurians, what they did was they... They manufactured little suns, little orbs that they set into the firmament and that lit the planet. Um, so therefore, there's no night and day here. In, in most areas, there's no night and day. 
and it, it's it's a, a very beautiful land uh uh in which this young lady named beatrice i'd say she's about 15 16 years old Dap. yeah yeah maybe not 60 yeah yeah she's she's a if, if she's, she's a youngin yes yeah, yeah. Well, but uh beatrice uh known as b helps her grandpa at uh grandpa's a pig wizard yeah, his she's name adopted. his name's Al, right his name's alfie he's an anthropomorphic pig and uh, be, he's getting up there in age, um, maybe a little forgetful, maybe a little more than forgetful. And and uh, he's the classic um, distracted magic user. Like his mind yeah. is on things more complex than most people could understand. And it maybe seems that he's he has the onset of dementia. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Who knows? But I'm thinking that he doesn't. He just seems like uh, preoccupied with... He has a professor. Right, more lofty thoughts. Um um very very uh dire thoughts as we'll see because so um beatrice helps grandpa he runs a potion shop and he procures ingredients for magic potions now grandpa being up there in age can't get a lot of the ingredients so beatrice does the legwork she goes out into the fields and she picks these herbs and plants and and other things and she brings them back to the potion shop and grandpa sells them pretty simple so uh, one day, B goes out, and she's got this little glass bulb that she takes everywhere, um, and it has a flame inside of it, a little, little tiny flame, and um, it, it, it's called the Jar of Endless Flame, and she's very fond of it, and Grandpa says, you know what, honey, never let that out of your sight. It's very important. Okay. So uh, she's out in the field, and she climbs this huge tree massive massive tree to get uh the third ingredient that she has to bring back to the uh the shop and what do you know it a branch breaks and so she's hanging on to this branch suspended a, a good distance from the ground and along comes a, a creature uh well he's not human so uh, let's just call him a creature from now his name is Cad Wallader. His name's his nickname's Cad. And it, what do you know? He's a Galdorian. But the thing about Galdorians in this realm is they they they're part of mythology. Like they they're, they're almost a, a a an urban myth or urban legend. You don't people don't know if they existed or did they exist? Is it just a a fantasy tale? But he claims to be a Galdorian. See, the thing was when he was young. They lived for a long time. When he was young, his people built those little orbs that they elevated into the firmament to, to, to light the world. And um, as they were doing that, uh, Cad fell asleep. And he must have fell asleep for a long time because when he woke up, uh, there was light, but there was no none of his people around. So he is searching for the remnants of of the Galdurian race. And um, he's got a bunch of scrolls, a bunch of, of texts written in Galdurian, but he can't read it. So who's he searching for to translate these these uh, texts? Um, B's grandfather, the pig wizard. So Cad helps Beatrice. He catches her as she falls. And um, they go back to the, the shop so grandpa can translate the scrolls 
uh, but Grandpa's not there. Gone. And B's like, oh, this is not good. Uh, he's he's absent-minded. He, he can't take care of himself. He went, he left her a note. And he said, um, I'm going to check the seal. Um, something was imprisoned. Uh, it was called the Restless Sleeper. And this, there's a seal of the restless sleeper that was applied to this thing. And, and Grandpa's going to, to make sure that the seal is intact. Well, okay. But um, readers of the book know that the first scene showcases a, uh, a couple of lizard creatures inadvertently breaking the seal on something and something gets freed. I don't want to get too descriptive because I think this is a book that you should experience unspoiled the majority of it anyway like we'll set it up but you got to read this book because it is amazing so so grandpa's out there on his own and and b's like we got to go find him so the the remainder of the book is in its hundreds of pages is b and cad in the fields trying to find grandpa and the uh the things they get into it's just incredible like um i could i want to spoil it all because once you hear all of the adventures these 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 two get into you'll be like i needs this book but um it sounds it, it is it, it's it's a fairly straightforward fantasy epic the beginnings of a, of a fantasy epics epic but it, it seems fairly straightforward like two two buddies you know um companions out in the road trying to they're on a quest but there's there's a lot more to this book see it's written for young people and and one thing um that seems to be increasingly prevalent among young people is anxiety mm -hmm. and and attacks of anxiety and there's one thing that tim probert does and it was subtle at first. I didn't. Oh, I, under, I didn't understand what was going on. I'm like, what is she being <laughs> a, being attacked by something? Well, she was being attacked. See, B is prone to anxiety attacks. She's she's very smart. She's very resourceful, but she doesn't have a whole lot of self esteem, and she she downplays her efforts in everything. She does not take risks. Um, and very apologetic to think yeah, that her fault and right. apologize for, but yeah, yeah. But and so when she's in situations where there's a lot of unknowns, there's a lot of X's out there, she starts to get anxious. And when she does, and this is where the, 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 the graphic treatment comes in, these little tendrils of darkness kind of squirm around her body. And the more anxious she gets and the more panic-stricken she becomes these little tendrils start to multiply and they start to wrap around her body and at some points they engulf almost all of her like right to around her her face and then she takes a breath and she breathes and she takes and then the the tendrils go away so it's a really really smart way to illustrate anxiety attacks and like i said i didn't see i didn't understand what was going on at first but once it becomes apparent what Tim was doing. You're like, you smart, smart person. That is a really cool way to do it. Didn't you think so? I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's, it's, you're right. At first, you know, you're just like, 
just little extra effects and he's having fun with 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 the colors or like when she's falling out of the tree you just think maybe they're just some sort of like speed lines or 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 just showing some form of motion but when you see her expression and the way she talks to cad or with cad and um and just other events that are happening and whether or not you know she should stray so far from home or go back when you realize how she appears and then these things appear um it's it's almost you don't ignore it but it just it 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 just becomes part of the story becomes part of her because that is part of her character unfortunately and and i'm sure she she's she's getting stronger as the first book even continues but uh it's it's eventually i would imagine when we get to the end of this tale whenever it is uh those those uh those little squiggly serpents won't uh, won't be appearing nearly as often, right? Um, no, that 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 was an absolute fantastic touch um, because I mean you 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 will see that there are some you can read some autobiographical type comics where you know if if, if someone is you you usually see that dark cloud hovering over someone when they're depressed or they're anxious or they're so it, it is it but instead of it being a cloud or or some uh like some a wiggly contour line coming yeah. up from, behind, on, on, from the ground it's just kind of swirls around her and and it is it, it's extremely clever it doesn't take it, it doesn't take you out of the story it doesn't uh it doesn't throw you for a loop or anything it's just it's it it's something that only you the reader see because uh, I Cad doesn't see it, no, nobody else sees it. It's right. just the way she feels. But it is, it's, it's, it's so clever, and uh, and it's even though we get some some panels where she's just frozen because she is just just stuck with with fear or apprehension, and they're all around her. Uh, it, it's still it it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like she's walking through like this this black muck. It, it's just it, it's just there. It, it's just a visual aid for the reader. If, if you're not picking up on the way she's speaking, or you're not picking up on her expression, it's just another aid in letting you know that uh, that 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 she's dealing with uh, with what she's dealing with. Yeah, and and it's uh, another smart move on Probert's part is that Cad is her emotional opposite. She's yeah. she's in, in there. There are a couple of instances where she's like, we could, we could get hurt. We could get captured. We can get robbed. We can do like and there's balloons, dialogue balloons all around her. And he's like, yeah, all that could happen. But what it did, but it didn't. And something yeah. else could happen. We could have died. We yeah. didn't die. Right. We're here. I mean, he is. He's just nothing gets him down. He, he's 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 on a mission. And and his mission gets a little sidetracked. And and what was awesome is 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 towards the end of the first book when uh, their the the mission kind of changes somewhat. And yeah. you know he he's he's on his own quest. And then when he bumps into her and and now but 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 they're joined because he's looking for Alfred. And so so she said, well that's my grandfather. So so when when she realizes he's not home and he's missing, or he's just gone on an adventure. He's like, well, I'll help you find your grandfather because I want to see him too. And and but instead of just moving on past the big thing that happens in in, in the first book, they stay together. And but he is just he he is the type of per- he may be 
because nothing gets him down because he is so headstrong and he's he thinks you know he'll just plow his way through whatever the obstacle is he can be he can be annoying if if you're a young girl and and you and you're set in your own ways uh but they do they they, they he he needs her she needs him more than he yeah. needs her but For they right do now. need each other yeah, yeah and 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 of course and she um her cat nim has uh has has taken the path with them and and uh that is and and at first we're 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 pretty much told as the reader how important this jar is because right away um nim knocks it off the ledge and and uh and b is like yeah be careful don't don't let this break nothing can happen to this so we know we know it's special to her it means something to her and then as as, as we meet grandpa and everything else it, it's we're we're reminded that it's important and uh and i there but but the characters throughout there's not everybody, obviously, with the introduction of of Cad and and of course with with the the pig professor, we we know humans aren't the only people on in this land. Um, but uh, you know, you've got lizard type folks. You've got you've got rats. You've got the uh, dinosaur who runs a cafe. It is it's it's. I mean, I I'm I love this world we're in, and yeah. and uh, I I'm I, I'm not trying to. Rushes. I'm glad. I'm so glad it's continuing because I know. I know that I, I probably would have felt some kind of way had I read this right when we got it and we got to the cliffhanger and we're like, "What the hell?" But knowing now that you know, I, yes, that now well, we'll it, get it does say we'll get the one. second book in a couple of books. Right, right. Yeah. I know. And we'll, but I, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's a cliffhanger. It could still be a, a complete story that's just going to continue. But but yes, yeah, so there's a cliffhanger and. You know, now we'll just have to wait a few months to get the second book, and hopefully we won't have to wait as long for the third, if there is a third, <laughs> and, and, and as it continues. But this is, I mean, the the colors are amazing. The 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 way the way Tim draws the character. I mean, B is is a very skinny, very thin little girl, and uh, and and her gloves are a little big, and uh, her boots are a little big, and it, it, it but it it just it fits. I um, the way I think, he. I don't want to interrupt you, but no. uh, the way he draws them is perfectly fitting with their personalities. She's yeah. very angular. Her head is almost like a rectangle type shape, and Cad is very smooth and round and organic. And so she stops the flow, and he facilitates the flow. Right. Yeah. If yeah. you could see like the water just flowing around him like life. And she would stop it dead because she's so square-ish and very lanky and angular and straight. And it's just, he's smart. He's a very smart designer. Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. absolutely. There, It's just, I don't, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, the, the, the cover's one thing. The cover's gorgeous. It's bright. You get, you, you get a sense of the, of the, of the characters and, but I didn't. I, I didn't really. I, I never suggest anybody judge a book by its cover. But I really didn't know what we were going to get into as as the story unfolds. Um, right. But I could. I mean, I once once you do start, it is it's nearly impossible to stop 
reading this book. There's just something about it, something about the way, something about the storytelling. But I mean, the pictures, just just the way it's drawn is, it it's it's a fun, and at 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 times it can be scary. But it is it's it's one of those. It's it's a book for me. It's 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 one of those breath of fresh air books where it's 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 not really like anything else you may currently be reading. And it's we we, we read a ton of we tend to read a ton of well some of us read more than others, but but we tend to read a ton of fantasy books, and and this definitely fits that mold. But he's doing things that you really don't get in other books the, the the story may not be original two adventures going on a quest trying to find somebody and but this world and the other characters they meet and just seeing someone who's kind of unsure like b uh as as the lead in the story it it's it really is something that 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 i think everybody should read yeah, and you can read this with your kids because like For we sure. said it, it's all ages it's it's there there's some violence in it but it's it's sound effects it's cartoony violence for the most part there i mean there's there's giant crabs and there's a crabby shriek yeah no the, the crabs are great and that's when we meet our rat thief and oh, yeah, i hate things him go. i hate him absolutely 100 yeah, percent. i hate him but he doesn't even things. look like a rat he looks like a moose so I don't know where the rats coming from, but okay. Um, but there's one page that um, made me think that Tim is maybe a D and D player because they're on the road and and they're they're ragged and and she B doesn't have any shoes. Uh, so and they stumble upon this Boysenberry and Snores traveling travel shop, and she buys a pack. And I swear it has everything you would take with you on an opening campaign in D&D. There's two torches, 25 feet of rope, a pocket knife, flint and tinder, water flask, one month of rations, an empty bottle, extra socks, heavy cold weather cloak, a blanket. But it's the, the page in which he gets into this, it's just the pack with all of the content spiraling around it and be in the face of, of one of the, the, the shopkeepers. Uh, they're floating heads, and it's just, and that's when I thought, all right, he's a D and D fan. He he must either play or he's he's well versed in in the game because this is what you would take on you on a campaign initially. You need this stuff. You need your torches. You need your rope. You never know when you're going to have to rappel down or climb up, so you need a rope. Um, I, I just think it was really smart, and uh, the one part that had me laughing, they're in the woods, and they're they're going to the um, giant statue of the seated king and they're like we got to get to the seated king like okay let's go and they get to the seated king and the seated king is number one headless number two he's standing Standing. and b goes what the heck he's standing and and uh cad says well it's no less impressive and it's like yeah you're right but he's not sitting it's just it's just a great little book and I loved every bit of it, but um, we got to bring Jason into the proceedings. So I, I will say David will probably back me up. If you haven't read Lightfall, book one, The Girl and the Galdurian, get thyselves to Amazon or or order the paperback version in this issue of previews and get volume two while you're at it. 
I do not think you'll be sorry. I, it is just an amazing um, experience. There's danger and, and, and emotional moments. There's, there's, there's levity and comedy, and it's just beautifully drawn. I, I, I've read it twice, and I cannot wait for the second volume to come out. Yeah, same. It, it, 247 pages of just of, of absolute joy and, and excitement. And yeah, you can't you you can't put it down and no. stunned. I and mean, I th- think that the price is very reasonable. Oh, absolutely, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It, it's a, uh, I mean, yeah, the 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 yeah, the, this this was twelve ninety nine retail, and it's yeah, I, I think it's um, it's absolutely something I'd uh, yeah happily recommend. And he uses Prisma colors. Like I, he he details in the in the last page what he used, uh, Prisma colors and Photoshop. And uh, I'm like, brother, if you can get this kind of color out of those waxy, freaking yeah, pencils, yeah, yeah. more power to you. Like unbelievable. So yeah, uh, two thumbs up. Love it when my booze read some fantasy comics that they love. Yeah, I think you'd like this a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I don't own it, so I'll have to keep an eye out for it. Maybe Heroes or something. Mm. What? Mm. It's good. It's good. Oh, or I could. I mean, I guess I could Amazon it, <laughs> but, but you already just, talked about or, it. So. Or, or, or previews it, but yeah. Oh, we left a ton out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't spoil it. No, I can't. There's a lot of the mythology that we didn't uncover because it's you got to discover it yourself. Mm-hmm. Got to catch them all. Yep. Nice. Uh, well, you uh, you all know I I I've, I fucks with Adrian Tomine. Yeah, definitely right. Uh, read most of his his stuff over his career: Killing and Dying, Shortcomings, uh, Scenes from Impending Marriage, Loneliness of the Long Distance Cartoonist, so forth, so on. Summer Blonde, um, but the thing that I had not read of his. Is the is the uh, the spark that lit it all that made it all possible? Um, I don't think you can talk about Adrian Tomonet without bringing up Optic Nerve, which was the series of mini comics that he started his career in way back when he was seventeen years old. Uh, for some perspective out there, for for those that don't know, Adrian is is my age. He was born in nineteen seventy four, so he was creating his first comics when he was 17 so that would have been 91 uh i was uh like him uh in high school um and you know i mean i i certainly once i got into Tomina, i was aware of of optic nerve but it was mini comics you know so i didn't i didn't ever come across them um and then as i'm sure vince knows maybe daphne too uh in 2009 drawn in quarterly who had been his who has been his publisher since the early 2000s um put out a really beautiful collection of of optic nerve called 32 stories and it was a slipcase and inside the slipcase were perfectly recreated stapled mini comic version the perfect replicas of the original uh out of print paper mini comics and um I, and but even in 2009, I wasn't really aware of Tomine or, or into him yet, so so that kind of passed me by. But because Drone and Quarterly kicks all kinds of ass, they have put that collection back in print. 
and I happily gobbled it up this time. And, um, you know, this is one of those books that I need to file away and remember when we when we do our 11 o'clockers, because when we talk about favorite reprint or collected edition, I very much put value in that category on the the actual the form of the book itself. Right. Like I, I always want to vote for something where the 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 packaging itself is unique or distinctive. And this definitely fits that bill. So it is a brown slipcase uh it says 32 stories you slide it open and inside are seven beautiful mini comics perfectly recreated and it is as you might guess even though it's seven mini comics there's 32 stories in total hence the name um and uh they were terrific as you would expect i mean i thought they'd be great because i love tomine's work but i didn't know what to expect because again you know this was stuff when he was 17 18 19 and 20 years old and i will say uh, as he says, he he inside of this is also a uh, a, suppl- a supplemental book with uh, drawings, ephemera, back matter, and also an opening uh, a prologue by Tomine, kind of very self-effacing, talking about how it's terrible comics, and he he hates that people see the stuff. He wished it could be gone forever, so forth, so on. But it's a little self-effacing. But I think the fact that he let it get reprinted twice tells me that it's a little you know he doth protest too much, but. Um, but either way, the thing that most impressed me about this is the books came out from 17 to 20, four-year span. The The difference between the final stories and the first mini-comic are just revolutionary. I mean, the growth he showed as a cartoonist over those four years is impossible to describe in an audio podcast you need to see it for yourself it's like it's totally reasonable for people to evolve right over time but i guess i never think of them becoming fully formed so quickly and i think credit to him it shows you how he busted his ass just doing the work making comics for those four years and by the time he was 21 he was freaking incredibly polished as a cartoonist. You know, I think the storytelling chops are there from the very start, but the visual, the visual, the visuals didn't match the talent of the ideas uh, at first. But how many seventeen-year-olds would would be able to seriously? But the the fact that by the time he's twenty-one, he's pretty much the same tone money we're getting now in his newer work is really really impressive, and I'm so glad that I was able to essentially read his the initial foray but also pretty much the only stuff i had not read of his so um great stuff i'm I'm pretty sure you've read optic nerve or at least a chunk of it oh yeah, yeah yeah i don't remember if david has or not um I'm not okay but uh yeah big big fan of this and you know in terms of plot or anything i don't need to get into that i mean it's it's these are if you're familiar with tomini's work you kind of know what you're getting here they're they're it's quote unquote slice of life but there's a, a there's a, a biting uh kind of acerbic angle to it a lot of times um not always you know sometimes there there's happier moments but but it's I, I really do think he's got a sharp lens as a as a a critic of self and a critic of the times that he's living in and 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 relationships in society and and this is that there's some of the stories are very short some are a little bit longer form and uh, it was a very enriching experience. And I, I definitely say if you are a fan of Tomine that came late to the party like me, then this is a great way to uh, to close that gap. It's awesome to stumble upon a, a creator mm-hmm. mid-career and you love their stuff and you can't get enough of it. And then, you know, life goes on 
and then like you did you, you go back and get the the foundation material yep. and it's like wow you get a, a an incredible insight into where they came from you've seen where they were going and where they continue to go and now mm-hmm. you have you have this this bedrock from which to you know a vantage point that's that's pretty amazing you know i don't you know you could do that with film and, and you could do that with with prose too but i think with comics it's it's um readily apparent when you see the early stuff and you look at the new stuff it's like wow mm-hmm. for most people for some it's just like bro you stayed the same but uh <laughs> you know true yeah yeah no it was it, it was terrific so i'm, I'm glad i i'm glad i I'm glad D and Q decided to hook a brother up. Oh, they keep stuff. I I pass on a lot of their books just because of that, because I know that they're going to be winging my way in a couple of years again. So yeah, no, that's true. It's not like Fantagraphics. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny because when I when I saw this in previews, I thought, oh, this is dope. You know, I've always wanted to read that stuff. Had no idea when I first saw it and ordered it that it was something that was originally published in the same form in 2009. And then I'm reading the supplement and thinking, oh, this is cool. It's like an anniversary type of thing. Thinking he had just written this, the, this supplement. And then I then I was doing some some follow up to because I knew I was going to talk about it. And then I said, oh, wait a minute. Oh, this is this is the 2009 thing just reprinted again. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's good, so good. You did a nerve, but I'm bump. You did. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So. Um, yeah, this is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try not to go all over the place here because there, there, there's there's um. Well, there's there's four books. Well, okay. So I I talked about the first book of the other history of DC Universe, which focused on Black Lightning. The third book, if you want to want my thoughts on that, which focuses on Katana, um, you can go to Patreon. And what's that site, Vince? It's patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. We don't mess with apostrophes. No. Yeah, go there. Uh, so so I, I, I get my thoughts on my favorite issue of this five book uh, limited series, which has since been collected. Um, and, and Black Lightning gets mentioned a couple of times throughout all of um, almost – all the other books. Uh, the, the second book focuses on um, Hornblower slash Guardian and Bumblebee. Uh, that would be uh, Mal Duncan and Karen Beecher Duncan. If you don't know these characters, it's because uh, in the 70s they were members of the Teen Titans. Um, and if you weren't reading a lot of Titans books before Marvel Wolfman and, and George Perez got their hands on the team. You may only recognize them from their appearance in Tales of the New Teen Titans number 50, which was the wedding of Donna Troy and uh, and Terry Long. And that's actually referenced in this. So the other history of DC Universe is a refresher. It's writ- all, they're written by John Ridley. Um, Layouts, breakdowns by Giuseppe Camicoli, uh, finishes by uh, Andrea Cucci, and colors by Jose Villarubia. And what's what's cool about this, I mean, it's mostly text, it's mostly just prose, there's no sequential storytelling here. Ridley 
does a phenomenal job of giving each book, which is narrated by the character or characters in the second book's case, uh, they're telling their story during that time that is referenced at the beginning of um, of each book. So it's not like from their first appearance to their last. It's just it's a chunk of time um, relevant to the character and every issue. It doesn't sound like one person telling these people's story. Every issue reads as if that person with their, uh, however they want to present themselves, however they come across. It's so, so, so yeah, the, the, the third book sounds like Tatsu and the, the fifth book sounds like Anissa Pierce, Jefferson Pierce's daughter. The, the fourth one sounds like Renee Montoya who, ends up being the question so i i think that's fantastic that that he's actually able to um make each one feel uh, or sound that way um each issue kind of also sprinkles in some real world to go along with whatever's going on in their fictional story uh the renee montoya issue gives us uh let's snow some of the fallout between Gotham and, and uh, when 9-11 happened. You've got um, Central Los Angeles and uh, Korean shop owners and violence uh, amongst minorities and the police uh, is written about in, um, in the issue with Katana. Don't ask, don't tell when um, during the... Uh, the thunder issue and uh and there's there are some murders that happened in atlanta unfortunately uh focusing targeting young black children um and karen talks about that in the um in the second book but i just every issue there are moments when uh if, if you're familiar with cameron coley's work whether it was from uh, Amazing Spider-Man or anything at at, at DC. You, you, he's got a he's got a distinct kind of style. And uh, what I really dug about these books is that if there's something that happened in, for example, Batman and the Outsiders, uh, the art style changes so that it 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 may look like. Um, a panel or a cover that Jim Aparo drew or Alan Davis drew. Uh, the, the, um, there's, there are pages that, uh, remind me of, um, that when the death of Superman, when, uh, so you have Dan Jurgens when, when he drew all the heroes carrying the, uh, standing, walking behind the casket and, and the pallbearers or, um, Tom Grummet, that, that, cover with the black and white photo of Superman down on the ground on his back after after his fight uh, so that, that that was another element that heightened my appreciation because it, it just it instantly transported me back to when I originally read read those stories or saw those images um, and I just think that overall the the project was just I don't want to say it it, it feels like it was written for me, but it is one of those things where I just, I seriously appreciate uh, someone making sense of some of the craziness 
that because comics should be ridiculous and, and trying to um, not, not, not try to ground it in the real world, but just make it make it make sense. If that makes sense, it, it's uh, I mean, there, there, there are a little, there are a few things though. There's one instance in particular. Um, if you were reading Batman and the outsiders, when the series started, um, you would see Tatsu Katana talking to her sword um and you would also see someone talking back to her um but apparently it's been retcon where that was kind of just she pretended to do that as if to kind of give her the this this mystical type of um aspect of her personality or uh as if she not that she was going crazy but but it 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 seems as though that they've just retconned it so that like Soul Taker was never possessed or uh or or she wasn't really talking to the sword or uh anything like that. There there were a lot of things that happened in the ba- in the end of the issue that um I wasn't aware of because I wasn't reading the stories that uh, that 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 those events happened in. Uh the the issue focusing on the on Brene Montoya, I I knew very little of the character outside of uh, Cataclysm and, and No Man's Land. That's kind of where I knew her in the comic. I, I knew her from the cartoon, of course, but um, so her, her, her start and her, her time as, as uh, in Gotham Central or even um, her relationship with uh, Kate Kane and how, how question gotten Vic Sage got involved in her life. All of that was completely, completely new to me. So this, this kind of filled me in the, um, I thought it was neat to have the fifth issue focus because the series started with black lightning and we end, um, with his daughter. And there's, there's a lot. She, she definitely black lightning does is an, this entire series, even with the spotlight on him in the first issue, he is not made out to be a um, a if he's not the the great guy you may think or, or expect him to be. He, I mean, for one, for his, his daughter is talking about him in one. So, I mean, that's she's going to have her. Um, However, she wants to present her father. That's, I mean, that's a lot more personal. But uh, Tatsu also talks about him because, of course, they were on on the team together. Even um, Karen and and Mal kind of talk about him because, of course, you know, he was the first black superhero. And uh, so, so he's he's mentioned throughout the entire series. And really, he's 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 never they never really speak of him as 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 someone who is a role model or, you know, like it should be like black light. He's just, he's, he's somebody who is set in his ways. He, um, his daughter who, who is gay is, um, she, she pretty much, she believed, she believed that, uh, he was homophobic. And, and so she was scared to come out to her parents. Uh, and, and, and of course with the whole military aspect of it, with don't ask, don't tell it, she, she just, she's had to deal with a lot of shit um but it it overall i mean the entire series was just it it was it's one of those i I hope we get more i don't know 
who else who might get it. It's because that when each issue was announced, and I was I was looking to see you know who who the characters were that they were going to focus on. I'm like I really don't know if 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 you're trying to if you're going to if you're trying to generate interest or you want to get readers to to know more. I'm not really sure if uh, if Karen and Mal are, are the kind of uh, characters anybody today who's not familiar with them would really want to read about. But it really does a phenomenal job of um, of making you care about all of them. I mean, and and she when th- th- this there's there's a uh, when when Karen does talk about um, the wedding of uh, of Donna and Terry, she's like, you know, what was um, she. She wasn't. Listen, they they had a quiet. They they had a very lovely wedding with the two of them. You know, it's not like the Titans were there or anything. Everybody was invited, but it was just like it was a very simple, quiet event. It's just the two of them, pretty much. Um, but with with Donna and Terry, it's like you know, listen, like the gods got together and they're like, listen, nothing is going to spoil your day. This is this is absolutely this is you know, there's going to be no. No drama, no outbreaks, no no alien invasions. Uh, you know, Changeling had Gar had his stepfather project Vic's image so that he would look human. He looked normal without without all the cybernetics uh, to all the guests there, and it was just Karen. She was happy for her friend, but at the same time, she was just like you know she still. A lot, there are moments throughout the entire series with all the books where um if if you're if you're a straight white male you're probably not going to appreciate everything that the characters are uh are saying because it it, it could be a little uncomfortable spots but then you know put yourselves yes these are fictional characters but if if in the real world put yourself in 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 their shoes and and you can see how uh how they might take certain things. And, um, I mean, it, it, they, 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 she even talks about Supergirl and how she thought that Cal overstepped because he, he keeps this, this young girl, you know, he kind of basically locks her away. He's like, listen, just, you're going to stay here. You're at the, you're at this foster home. Now you're going to be with, with, uh, with, with these adoptive parents and, he kind of just was keeping her locked away in a little box and and didn't want to share her with the world. But when Karen eventually realizes that this was the last of she, she's the only other person like him and and he doesn't want anything to happen to her. So, yeah, he is he, he's he has his experience and he's trying to maybe. He doesn't. It's not. It's not a trust issue. Yes, she can take care of herself, obviously, but he just. He doesn't want. He doesn't want to lose the one thing that he has. That 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 the closest connection he has to, to, to his home. And then they they talk about crisis and um, and her death and it. It's just the the ride each of the issues take the reader through is just um, it. It's close to fascinating for me, at least. I mean, I. I I, I learned some things about all the characters that uh, throughout each of the books, but it it the way it was presented, how you know the uh, the issue for so for Renee Montoya, the story takes place 
1992 to 2007. So, I mean, even where the story ends over a decade ago. Um, the one for Anissa Pierce is from 1981 to 2010. So so it's not like it's current up to whatever there was happening in D.C. now. It's just these are um, this is the the chunk of time that uh, that really is focusing on it. It was I absolutely was uh, was blown away by the whole thing. I don't know what the um, what the collection looks like, how it's been packaged. Uh, I've um, I would absolutely recommend it regardless of uh how you feel about any of the characters portrayed if uh if you look at it as an anthology where we always say you know it doesn't matter it, it, you got a bunch of stories in an anthology you're bound to click with with some of them and even if you may not be the biggest um katana fan you might get something out of uh the Black Lightning issue or the Renee Montoya issue. But yeah, I think I, I just I thought it was a really cool project and I uh I hope we get more. But I think Ridley did an absolutely fantastic job with all of the characters. The art is absolutely fantastic. Um and it's not super wordy. It doesn't feel like you know, we we're we're not padding things out just to get the page count going. Every um every page kind of hit and uh and I just thought it was a fantastic project overall i i really really happy with it nice jason you read that i read the first issue and then i have the hardcover um oh it is a hardcover cool oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 sitting over i'm sit- looking at it right now but i haven't read the rest of it yet interested to know what you think oh i'm sure it's gonna be great i mean the first issue was excellent yeah Nice. Right, I'm going to keep the all ages train going. Good. Yes. Uh, another book that you could read with your kids, and I bet you they love it. It's from Fantagraphics. It's, I believe, volume 18 in the Disney Master series. It's Uncle Scrooge, Pie in the Sky, and it specifically, or exclusively, focuses on the work of William Van Horn, one of my favorite duck artists, uh, a guy I don't think gets enough uh, appreciation. Uh, People are very quick to throw around the Barks and the Rosa, but you don't often hear, at least not in my circles, you don't often hear a lot of William Van Horn. And I think that's a a bit of a crime because, um, yeah, he's not as... You don't learn a whole lot as you would reading a Carl Barks story. Barks always infused his stories with uh, history and geography. And and um, I never came away from a Carl Barks story not having learned something. And then, you know, Don Rosa is, is cast from the Carl Barks mold, but he's visually not the same animal. Um, there's a lot, very, very intense detail in Rosa's work. Rosa has, again, he has the same um, thirst for uh, experience that that Barks had. William Van Horn stories, they're just, there's a a silliness to them, a giddiness, um, just a a playful quality that I don't find in the work of of, uh, Barks and and Rosa. Um, This book focuses on 
Van Horns work for Gladstone from 1988 to 1993. And I'm so thankful to have this volume because I sold all of my Gladstone books um, a while back. Yeah, I'm kicking myself ever since. I had the complete runs of, of all of their titles. And I sold them all. You're the poster boy for not selling stuff. Well, you know when I sold them? When we moved. When I sold mm. when I sold like twenty five thousand books. Yeah. Eh, stupid move. But what are you gonna do? You live and learn. And and again, I'm I'm very thankful for having this because I'm getting I'm getting these stories back in my library where they belong. And like I said, they're just silly, silly, silly stories. The the best of which I think is the the cover story. Uh, pie in the sky and this is a uh, it's fanographic so you know upscale presentation hardcover uh great paper um spot varnish on the on the front the uh, pie in the sky story is really funny uh, silly it, it details um scrooge's interaction with baron von strudel and von strudel's a pig um he's a rival of scrooge's from his days as a pastry chef Yes, Scrooge was a pastry chef, but uh, he was only in it for the dough. And um, they were both... Ba-dum-bump. Yes, thank you. They, they were both pastry chefs, but the cool thing about their um, rivalry was they were both pilots. And they had very unorthodox distribution methods. They would fly over their customers and drop their pastries uh and confections from the plane and um so as the story opens baron von strudel steals uncle scrooge's prize sopwith plane why would he do this well there's a um uh, annual antique air show presently and he wants to steal he wants to use scrooge's plane to drop scrooge's famous pistachio cream pie from the plane on people and people would automatically associate the the pistachio cream pie and the plane with scrooge and have him disqualified from the contest and scrooge would win uh but there's just this silly section where they have a dog fight with the planes but instead of firing um ammo at each other they throw pies What's funnier than a pie fight, right? It's it's just a silly, goofy, um, instantly understandable by any age group. Like if you show a kid a pie fight, they're going to giggle, right? Um, and and Donald and the kids are involved in it too. The nephews. It's it's just a goofy, silly little story. I just love it. And it beautifully illustrated by Van Horn. Um, he was an animator. Uh, worked in animation, so he has a very fluid. Um, if anybody's read Nervous Rex, um, this is more along those lines. It's it's uh, very loose. There's there's not uh, doesn't have barks and certainly doesn't have roses. Very constrained, tight style. This is very fluid and and organic. And um, there's a story called Floating Alone, where Scrooge is in a balloon race a hot air balloon race and uh 
he goes to buy a new hot air balloon because his his beloved Nelly, he has a name for his old hot air balloon. Nelly's not looking too great. So he goes to buy a new hot air balloon. And it's very expensive. And he's like, nah, not doing it. Um, so he pulls out Nelly and he gets her all going and he, he needs ballast. And he looks at the price of sand and he's like, nah, too expensive. I'll make my own ballast. And he throws bricks into the the um, the basket and he throws like a, 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 a multi-volume set of books in there to hold them down. And he's in the race and there's this, this pelican that besieges him. Uh, and they become instant enemies. And long story short, the, the, the pelican ends up blast uh, biting a hole in the balloon and and the balloon starts to um go awry so he's got to start throwing things out of the basket to stay aloft and he throws the bricks and then he throws all the books and he has nothing else to throw but he put a million dollars in the basket because it was heavy it's like 50 pounds of hundreds he, he, he put the, the million dollars in the basket and he has no recourse. If he doesn't want to die, he's got to throw the million dollars out of the basket. And he does. Uncle Scrooge throws a million dollars away. But Uncle Scrooge, being who he is, he manages to get it back at the, by the end of the story. So he doesn't lose anything. But it's just a, it's a, one of those <gasps> moments when you actually see Scrooge parting with money. Like he didn't want to spend a couple bucks on sand, but he ends up dumping a, a million dollars out of a, a balloon basket. Just sit, like, again, that word comes up a lot, silly. Um, there's a, a story called Lost on a Dog where Scrooge pays almost $7,000 for Baron Itsy Bitsy. And this is a William Van Horn creation. Did you ever $8, hear? Dollars, dude. Seven thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, it's not exactly. It's not seven. In fact, it's they're very. Scrooge is very specific how much he spent on this flea. I'll tell you exactly how much it was. Um, here it is. He spent six thousand seven hundred and twenty-nine dollars and sixteen cents for Baron Itsy Bitsy, which is a whistling flea. It's the world's only whistling flea. And Scrooge thinks he's going to make a bunch of money taking this, you know, putting this free this flea on the, the entertainment circuit because it's a whistling flea, man. And the during the there'll be panels where you just hear and it's the flea. And and it, it jumps on Donald, it bites him in the ass, and Donald's like, get that thing off me. And so as they're walking, wouldn't you know it, a shaggy dog comes by and Baron Itsy Bitsy jumps on the shaggy dog and now it's a race the chase is on Scrooge wants to get his flea back um, and hilarity ensues there's a uh, a gathering of shaggy dogs in the park and they're like oh my goodness where is Baron Itsy Bitsy now like just goofy stuff I'm never more um, peaceful uh, it feels like the world is is just right when I'm sitting in my, my reading chair and I have a duck book in my hands, it just, I, I mean, if if Diamond said, okay, we're only going to sell duck books anymore, that's it. I would be like, well, oh, well, I miss that old that other stuff, but I can live on duck books till the end of time for me. I just love them. And like I said, huh? 
so we can all picture you just rolled up in your Barker lounger, got some Vicks Vapor Rub on your chest. Yeah. Got some herbal tea sitting next to you. My my fuzzy slippers, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's 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 a happy place. And uh, those who know know. Um, you don't know now. You know if you're not in, in indoctrinated into the world of the, the 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 magical world of of the Disney ducks when handled by very capable artists like Barks and Rosen Van Horn and uh, Cavazzano, like all of there's a bunch of Italian people that do it really really well. It it's just it's 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 an indescribable feeling of just being at ease with with everything and just we know these characters we love them um and i just i revel in the the time i spend with them so fanographics uh disney masters there's a reason why they they use that term master with william van horn because he is uncle scrooge pie in the sky it's awesome and uh it's 20 29.99 for about I would say about there's there's no page yes there is page numbers almost 200 pages you get uh, a gallery in the back with the Gladstone covers that are great there's an awesome one with um, Donald dressed in a policeman's um, uniform and he's got cactus spines sticking out of his ass um, because he obviously bumped into the cactus and. You've seen cactuses. Everybody knows what cactuses look like. The The cactus actually looks like it has its hands up in the air. Like it's like, you know, surrendering to Donald the policeman. It's just a great, great cover. Get it. Don't, don't. Just get it. It's so good. I wish I had them all. Yeah. I do. But I the, the shelf space. Wow. Yeah. It's always more room for book. There is. I really want that um, Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, um, oversized. Yeah. Double. Yeah, but it's where do you put that? On the shelf. It's got to be this probably the same size or greater than the Crazy Cat Dashing book. Mm-hmm. Who has the kind of space to to house those things? Yeah, mm. I'd have to get rid of some stuff. Huh. And it probably would be worth it, right? Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So from now on, we're going to change the name of this podcast to 11 O'Clock Duck Comics. So hope you guys are, <laughs> <laughs> hope you guys are up for it. Indeed. Yeah. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> oh, I like that answer. That's a good, <laughs> it's a good answer. What else do we have? Want to keep this toy rolling or what are we going to do? Show. What we got? Oh, yeah. We talked about the book of the month. My bad. God, I know. It's barely yeah. two hours ago. I can't. It's, <laughs> it's getting to the point now. I'm watching the uh, Star Wars movies, uh, the newer ones, right? And I'm like, what the freak is the name of the last one? I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember what the name of it was. And then I'm trying to think, what's Finn's last name? Well, you stupid person, Finn doesn't have a last name. And I'm like driving in the car thinking, what is Finn's last name? <laughs> Welcome to uh, Advanced Age. <laughs> mm. All right. Yeah. Uh, um, a, a while, a, some time ago, Jason 
talked about a uh, a funky little book. Uh, Oscar Martin's solo, The Survivors of Chaos. It's published by Titan. Um, last year, the second volume was released. And I noticed that the, uh, the second volume sat on in the stack, still wrapped underneath the first volume because I had moved everything so that I could put everything together to read. So I finally plowed through uh, the first book and everything Jason said so on point the art's fantastic i mean there's it, it as they're claiming all over the covers uh you know oscar martin earned a lifetime achievement award from warner brothers and i it, the art is absolutely fantastic it, it has that animation feel um like secrets the, and nim style yep for sure yeah it's just it's it's gorgeous and uh it's it's futuristic post-apocalyptic world there are humans but they're uh all the animals pretty much have been mutated and and uh are um can speak they're anthropomorphic so i mean it's it's if you enjoy your funny animal comics then then you'll dig because it is violent it's 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 a little graphic at times heads are getting chopped off bullets are flying and people are getting ripped to shreds um so the first book is pretty much uh, we're introduced to Solo. His father is, uh, he's of age now where uh, hunting is not as uh, fruitful as it used to be. Solo's old enough where he's got to go out on his own uh, so the family can survive. And uh, so he leaves his father, his mother, his two siblings, and um, and off he goes to find his own way. He uh, is a bit of a gladiator feel to it a bit of a conan feel to it uh he gets captured and uh has to find a fight for his freedom um end of the first book he meets up with another uh group another village of um of of rats and and so now so so the first the, the book ends and you know life is good he's he's with his people, if you want to call them that, and, and and he's just he's he's content and no real worries. Everybody's taking care of each other. It's a good community. That's great. So so the second book, um, not as thick as the first, and the um, and there's there's kind of some back matter also. So it's not as it, the, the the entire book isn't full of uh, of story, but we're you know we we, we pick up shortly after the the end of the first book and and um solo is is living with uh with his with his woman um lyra and she uh they're they're happy together um but solo has a tendency to get jealous and and um and grande who's somebody from the old neighborhood he comes back to town and um and lyra's only seen him as friends they've, they've n- nothing beyond that grande's got feelings for her, but you know since she's with solo he's not pushing his luck or anything but because they are close and they do go back a ways uh solo gets it in his head that oh you know the writing's on the wall and she doesn't want me around that he just he, his jealousy gets the better of him so he he takes off um what's weird though is that we kind of cut to 
a bunch of humans going they're they're in they're in their city uh in the desert they're it's like a council meeting almost and they're talking about um the animals getting smarter fighting back um but some of the humans are like well we'll capture some of the animals and um we'll just let them breed so this way we'll have food and you know those that want to fight can fight but we'll keep some off so that they can just multiply and we're never gonna have to go hungry again what, what when I say it's weird is that we see this whole conversation this 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 committee meeting happen, but we kind of we don't really go back to it at all throughout the rest of the book and which which made me try to find out if we're getting more because and that's not where I'm stopping with this, but it was just weird that nothing you, you knew that something was going to happen or, or, or these two storylines were going to somehow meet and it didn't in this book. So I don't know if we're getting more, but um, it, it's kind of weird that that was thrown in here and it wasn't, you know, it was, it was, it was the Vince's gun in the first act. I was waiting to see where we were going with it, but it, it we kind of didn't in this book. Nevertheless, it's still a gorgeous looking book. Um, Solo, admits to the error of his ways um he uh he he does he he does get um thankfully he doesn't end up going back and 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 becoming a gladiator getting captured again um but what's amazing what i and this this is a great moment in the book when he does leave the village and 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 goes out on his own again because he figures, listen, if, if, if Lyra wants Grande, then they should be happy together. So he leaves. And while he's out hunting and, and um, he, uh, he has to hibernate for the winter. And, and uh, so he, he finds a cave and um, he's able to stay there at springtime. He comes out and um, eventually we, um, he comes across his father and one of his brothers. And so there's a nice little family reunion. And it was, um, the dad brings him up to speed as to what happened since, uh, since he left home. Um, but they, uh, they kind of just, um, they solo realizes that, you know, he, he fucked up. He, he ruined a good thing. So he's going to go back home. And, and try to fix it. So uh, he leaves his family again. Everybody parts on uh, on good terms, and they go they go their separate ways. And, and he heads back home, um, and the village is absolutely destroyed. And uh, which that's where. So we don't see the humans attack, but we obviously the humans attacked, and uh, and and so now. Solo came back to nothing, so he goes wandering again, and he does find um, does find Lyra. Does, it is a gorgeous double page spread because he 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 ends up eating something that uh, he, he finds grass shouldn't have eaten it um, because he just figures they uh, he's he's running on empty and and he, he just looks for something that could be edible. 
grabs some grass, starts eating it, starts throwing up, and then has basically what kind of seems like a fever dream. And it's a gorgeous double-page spread of um, uh, of him having this attack. But in the background, uh, there's these beautiful um, penciled, rendered images of, uh, of pretty much all the characters we've seen throughout this, uh, the two books so far. Um, when, uh, when Solo comes to, it was Lyra that found him. Uh, Grande was with her. They nursed him back to health. Um, and now that uh, now that Solo's back, Grande's like, well, then listen, I did. There's there's obviously nothing for me here. Now I thought maybe we could have had something without Solo around with him out in the picture, but now that he's back, um, it's it's obviously not going to happen. Uh, so now it's just Solo and Lyra, and um, and and they're going to work on starting a family of their own and. That's when the second book ends. We get a data sheet on um, on the cannibal world, the different creatures, the different cats and lizards, and and the humans, their weapons. Um, the back matter is pretty cool, but it's it was just. I thought the first book was absolutely fantastic. The second book is really good because it continues the story, um, but there were just some things that that. Not quite head scratching, but it was it was like I said with, with the humans. Obviously, they attacked the village, but you know, normally I would have expected to see maybe Solo get revenge on them, or 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 you actually see the attack instead of just seeing the after effects. And it was still it served its purpose. It it uh, you knew they were there and what they did, and 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 that's it. But but to devote as much time as we did in seeing them talk about it, it was just weird to see that 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 was. The, that was the payoff. It was just a couple of panels of him going back to town and seeing what they did. Um, but I absolutely recommend if you want more solo, it's, it's, it's a great follow-up. I, I, now that, you know, he's got his family. I don't know if, you know, if, if that's all, if that's all we're getting since that seems to be where, where the second book ended. And then we get, um, we get some of the hot mood type pages, but, um, but uh, I, like like Jason said about the first book, absolutely get it if you can get your hands on it, go for it. Um, I think the sequel is is a really solid follow up. Um, but uh, if if uh, if you can only get one, then by all means get the first because you do pretty much you're, you're happy with how the first book ends. It's it's a complete story. You see Solo's whole path and and what he went through and and where he ends up. And um, and the second book is is a nice postscript. But um, but it didn't have the uh, didn't really have the punch the first book had as far as it, for me anyway. But I, it, it's still a gorgeous book. I absolutely recommend if you can get your hands on anything from Oscar Barton, go for it. Love it, dude. I gotta say, uh, this has turned into an anthropomorphorama tonight. Boom. We're all talking anthropomorphic comics. How about that? The, synchronicity. The stars have aligned. Indeed. Don't look up. Hey, everybody. Funny, Funny dear. We thank you for being here. If you would like more of this, please go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit, and the Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. There's something we have that we have not been mentioning. We have a hotline. 
you can actually oh, indeed we do <laughs> yes you can actually call i mean if you're not down with the socials like there's a lot of people that really there's a lot of disdain for social media in, in with some people and that's cool you don't have to jump on a forum or, or a twitter to give us a comment all you have to do is call our hotline and it's 914-246-2102 one more time Write this down because we want you to call. We want to hear your comments. 914-246-2102. And we will feature those calls within the episodes. We used to do it a lot back in the day, but the, the, the hotline you know, fell to the wayside a little bit. But w- let's bring it back. Let's bring back the commentary. Plug yourself in, you people. If you didn't write down the phone number, just go to the website on your mobile device and... Uh, the website would be 11clockcomics.com and there's a little reach out on the uh, in the sidebar and you'll be able to tap the number and your phone will likely say, do you want to call this number? Right. And it's just a uh, uh, a voicemail. That's all it is. That's, yeah. Yep. yeah. It, it is very, very cool. And we love it. So uh, do it. Um, in the meantime, visit our sponsor because if you want to get your books for far less than everybody else is paying, there's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. One more time, DCBService.com. Write these down. From Image, Grip of the Combinat will cost you $10.19. Heaven's Door, Extra Works graphic novel from Last Gasp is a paltry $13.97 and keep an eye on Lightfall the second volume is solicited in this previews as is the first you can get this second volume in two flavors a hardcover for $16.09 or a soft cover for $9.09 both of which are 30% off uh, in your travels uh, throwing the all ages motif straight out the window uh i bought this book from printed matter it is a an online bookseller specializing in uh art books and um i had to have it as soon as i saw it i believe it may be sold out which is uh, it's kind of weird that i'm talking about it but it just thrilled me to no end it's an artifact is what it is it's called there's no punctuation at all in this title so i'm going to read it as it's printed on the cover i am gonzo my dirty italian zines fuck serious scientific books (laughs) uh it's it's a digest size it was not cheap to procure and it could have been 10 times the price and i would be very happy with it what it is uh, I guess Gonzo is the Italian equivalent of hentai. Okay, we all know what hentai uh, partly means. Gonzo is uh, the uh, Italian version of that. And it, it, I, I don't like to read from text, but this, this says it perfectly. Gonzo, in parentheses, dupe, is also a person, the amateur porn addict usually male, porno, man, homo eroticus, 
who collects and consumes these gratifying objects with an animalistic attitude. To be part of this scene is to collect with unbridled passion, to indulge in the eroticism of the paper, drawing and flesh, participatory thinking and masturbatory fantasy. So this book focuses on the Italian porn comics. And to say this book is explicit is doing it a disservice. This book is filthy. Uh, yeah, um, the, the authors have collected these books. And the cool thing about this, one of the cool things, is in Chip Kid fashion, they present the books as they found them. So if somebody scribbled on the cover or um, added to the image in any way, they just let it roll. There are phalluses drawn on pages. There are smiley faces and words scribbled in there. Uh, so it's like a, a, a comics verite. Like the way they found these books in the wild are the way they present them in the book. Nothing is cleaned up. Uh, which I uh, appreciate because, in a sense, it's a collaborative art form now. You have an unknown who added their information or their uh, little uh, artistic bits to these images, and so shall it be. Now it's like this for posterity. But, like I said, uh, it is just puerile. It's disturbing how how graphic this stuff is. And um, it's completely annotated. It's in English and Italian. There are interviews with the people that made these things. There's uh, lists of titles, when they were published, you know, who published them, uh, what artists contributed to them. It's like exhaustive how in-depth this book is on really pornographic stuff. I mean, it's, it, it's an art form. Uh, you got Diabolic, of course. And there's a color uh, section. Lucifer is in here. Um, Peter Paper, of course, one of the first uh, porn comics. Gold Drake is in here. Um, let's see what else we got. Helga. We got Jacula. There's a subgenre. Uh, Sukia. There's a subgenre of porn comics that focuses on... Um, masochistic women characters in the lead uh so bad girl to the nth degree uh let's see what we got lucrezia we have um or oratomba like this stuff is just dirty as hell but um let's just set the stage there's one panel in here any of you uh seen uh gaspar noe's uh enter the void no you'd remember nope. you'd remember it if you saw it there's a scene in uh, Enter the Void that explicitly delineates the birth or the conception of one of the characters in the, in the story, and it's shot from within the vagina. You see the penis coming in, and it's doing its thing, and you see the penis ejaculate into the vagina. From within, that's where the camera's set. There's a panel in here that is exactly that. From within, you get to see all the nasty, explicit bits going on. There's sadism, masochism in here. There's uh, genitalia, dismemberment. <laughs> it's, it's insane. If you can find it, and you're a fan of this stuff, 
as I am, I would wholeheartedly recommend finding this book. Go to, to Printed Matter. Maybe it's still on sale. I just did a quick search and I couldn't find it. But maybe I got lucky and uh, scooped it at the right time. But I am so freaking glad that I did because this is a book that you put on your shelf and you will always go back to it, whether to just look at the disgusting pictures or to read the history of these things and the uh, the commentary by those that made them. It is amazing. I am Gonzo. My dirty Italian zines fuck serious scientific books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Black and white in color, too. Oh. Yeah. Shit. It's a keeper. You're a keeper. <laughs> uh, in your travels, this is the first issue of a five-issue limited series published by Image Comics. It is called Bolero. It is written by Wyatt Kennedy. It is illustrated, and I'm pretty sure colored, by uh, Luana Vecchio. Or Vecchio. Uh, letters by Brandon Graham. Uh, I I read the solicit and it, it seemed intriguing because there's this whole thing about, you know, you walk through a door, you can only use the door one time and 53 hops. And all right, sounds interesting. Um, but I really didn't know what what it all meant. And, and the first issue is like exercise there's way more pages than i expected to be in a first issue um the art is it's 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 manga-esque in some places uh uh devin she's the main character her hair reminds me of something that uh mike waringa would draw but um it's devin's story she's telling it we're we're, we're going along the ride in her life um she meets the love of her life, Natasha. Um, and and they hit it off great. Even uh, Devin's father likes Natasha because uh, he was happy that, uh, you know, she was Devin, his daughter, with, with somebody who, um, you know, wasn't wasn't some asshole who just wanted to get her fucked up. They, uh, they just, they, they got closer. They became more than friends. Um, they wanted the best for each other. Um, Devin is artistic. She becomes a, uh, an apprentice at a tattoo shop. Um, and Devin and, uh, and Natasha meet Amina, uh, Amina Laviolette. She, and, uh, she, she's the, uh, lead singer. She's the front woman for a, for a band. Um, so the three of them now, they're all bestest friends. And, uh, we we see how we see uh, Devin and Natasha's relationship grow a bit, and then there's a heartbreak. This is part one. Fifty three hops left, and you turn the page, and some time has passed because Devin is uh, has her her shirt up above her breast and her hands down in her panties, and she's rubbing one out to uh, pictures of Natasha on her phone. And uh, there's just, I mean, and this is the language in this book isn't. Um, it's definitely on an adult bent. It it is not. Uh, I mean, the images alone would tell you, but but the conversations had, 
the words that uh, that Devin uses. Um, not necessarily kid friendly. Devin's trying to move on with her life. Um, she uh, she seems to kind of just be going. She she's just she's not really spiraling. She's just there's no forward momentum there. She's kind of shrugging about the 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 uh, going for her license to to be a tattoo artist. It's just there's nothing really going for. Um, Amina comes by the tattoo shop to. Uh, to let her know that she is going to propose to her boyfriend at the show. She's gonna, you know, she's gonna sing the song. He's gonna come up on stage. She's gonna propose to him, and she wants, she wants Devin there because you know you're in my rock. I need you there. Um, and Natasha's also going to be there, which now Devin isn't really thrilled about. Um, so. Music's pumping and and a lot of bodies around and and Devin's kind of just losing it. There's a uh, there's a guy who comes up and asks her if um, she could if he could buy her a drink and and she kind of um, goes over the top on when it comes to accepting that drink and and she's just really she she hasn't had a drink in a minute because I guess I, I guess when she and Natasha broke up it hit her hard and um and that's when she spiraled and and so now she really hasn't had anything to drink she she told amina you know i'm, I'm not drinking anymore um uh, but she has a drink and then you turn the page and now she's puking in a um in the toilet uh the guy's outside asking if she's all right if there's anything he can do um and they go outside so she can get some fresh air. And that's when she sees Natasha. Natasha is there with Megan, her new friend at, uh, that they were thing. So, so, so this is really fucking up Devin big time. Um, she, uh, she says some things a little too, little too late. She ends up taking a homeboy that bought her to drink and they start going buck wild in his car. And, uh, and they can't, you know, you expect to see some things in a Savage Dragon book. And if you think you may have been missing anything, you kind of get filled in kind of like the way Devin is in this book. So, so it's a, it, they don't, it's, it's, it's not a, um, it's not an Eros book. I'm not talking about Birdland, but it is close. It, it's there. There are things that are happening here that uh, I really wasn't expecting to see in an image book. Um, and she's just the one thing was she was supposed to be within sight. I mean, was supposed to be able to see her after she proposed to her boyfriend, thanking all her friends, thanking the people that mean most to her. But Devin's not there, so um, she's kind of. Uh, I mean, is feeling hurt. The, the the she's feeling some kind of way herself. Devin, um, it's 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 the afterglow now. She and her new boy toy are are just talking about things, and um, and he says uh, he asks her if um, if you could start over, would you do it? And without without a beat, she says in a heartbeat, and um. And he says, I'm not fucking around, like, no going back. And she's like, yeah, 
He's like, all right, then there's somebody I want you to meet. And he brings her to um, this entryway. It's kind of like a red glowing entryway. And she, uh, it's, it's so weird. She, um, it, it just, it literally pulls her in and um, it's, it's just like, but she's the way it's described, the way she describes how it's feeling her being pulled in. It, it really um, paints a picture and, and you can kind of taste what she's going through. She makes it through the doorway. She's completely naked um, with all her tattoos in, in, uh, in clear view, which is great. And she comes across a desk and there's a nameplate on it. And, uh, and there's a cat. There's a feline-looking character there who's talking to her. His name is Capgras, although it is spelled uh, C-A-P-G-R-A-S. Um, and the way he's, the way Capgras is talking to Devin, it, it's kind of like in that monstrous style with the two two tails on the word balloons. Um, and he's he's basically he hands her a flyer, which is which says the multiverse and ellipses you with a question mark. Um, so this is the, this is the breakdown. This is the gist of, of what the book, what the story is going to be about. But uh, so it, you could take a trip to an alternate universe um, with little asterisks there. Um, you uh, Cap Capgra is the key maker. A key will be fashioned of your own biological sample. This is your key. Any door can be an anti-door with your key. You may travel to 53 other alternate universes. Uh, you may stay there as long as you wish. Um, they're chosen at random uh, by the mother. And the mother is someone you should never ask to speak with. Uh, 53 hops mean you have 53 shells. So basically you have 53 chances. You can, and, and you never go back to anywhere you've ever been. So if she does this, she's never going to be able to go back to the reality that we've just read through in this entire first issue. Um, so, uh, so she has a conversation with Capgraw and, and Capgraw kind of just like it, it's, if there's nothing for you here, then go for it. Or you can kind of stay here. So it's the whole red pill, blue pill thing. Um, and it, I'm not going to go any further as to what the rest of their conversation goes or how the first issue ends. But um, knowing me and, and my um, affinity for alternate universes, I am going to see where the rest of the next four issues take us. Because I... I, I Again, I didn't know what to expect, um, but I thought it was a blast. And and uh, in your travels, if if you could check it out, I would uh, recommend Bolero Number One. So their universe is the Spinal Tap. They get one more than the standard fifty-two. They get fifty-three. Right. Nice. Yes. Ours, ours go to eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in your travels, I want to try a book that uh, I know Dap read as well, and uh, it's a good time to mention it because the trade of this limited series hits the shelves on March 2nd, so you can hit up your store if you haven't already and grab that version if you didn't grab the issues. I'm speaking about from Image Comics, 
a book by our dear, dear friend, Mr. Scotty Young, who wrote it, drawn by his frequent collaborative partner now, Jorge Corona. They've worked together, of course, on Middle West, and this is the follow-up to that. The Me You Love in the Dark. We spoke about the first issue or two um, when it came out, and uh, it is subsequently wrapped up. It's a five-issue series, and uh, I thought it was terrific. No surprise, I'm a fan of Scotty's writing and very much like Jorge's cartooning. Um, But it's a groovy mashup, basically, of... uh, This premise is a a woman, an artist named Ro, uh, goes to a old house to gain inspiration to work on her next series of paintings for a museum show. And uh, as lots of old houses are, it's haunted by a presence. Uh, and the presence looks very nefarious, but, uh, but it, it effectively befriends and, 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 and falls in love with Roe. And they have a very strange love affair. But it's this fascinating mashup of, of a relatively classic horror trope, right? The haunted house. But really is a as a unusual backdrop for a more conventional um modern romance story of 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 a of a passionate romance that you know is unquenchable at first and and it's just they 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 can't imagine you know it seems like perfection but as is often the case that initial passion gives way to the realities of the situation and you before you know it you can end up detesting the person that you would just were absolutely obsessed with just, just, uh, you know, shortly before. And that's really what this is about. It's a strange love affair where Roe is captivated by the presence, uh, and, and the presence captivated by Roe, but, but, uh, but ultimately they're, they're toxic for each other. And, uh, and we see all that unfold in five glorious issues. Uh, so very much recommended. And, uh, I know this is my inner travels, but Dappa, I know you read it too. So what did you think? I, 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 I am. I always enjoy when I think I know where something's going, and it's not as predictable. It ends up not being as predictable as I was expecting. I, the, it, it's, it's. It was fascinating watching, watching this relationship progress and and get a little bit more aggressive and 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 toxic as as the series continued but um i really wasn't expecting things to happen the way they happen in the the final issue and in a good way though i mean i i i didn't know if it was going to there were a couple different ways things could have played out but um i this is one where i i thought it was i thought it was close to perfect the way they decided to to with how the story ended, I I think that uh, I Scotty and and Hori were wonderfully together. The, the art's fantastic, of course. I talking to Scotty as often as as I have, as often as we do. Um, this is this is way darker than I expect to see from Scotty, and mm-hmm. and that's yeah. and 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 it's which isn't a bad thing at all. If, if there are some demons that, you know, and this is how he's got to exercise him out, then, then go for it. I'd rather hear than anything else. But, um, but no, it was, it, if, if you're used to, if, if you, if you think, you know, a Scotty young story, uh, read this because this is going to kind of let you know that, um, there's, dude's like an onion. There's just more to him than, uh, 
than than the variant covers for Marvel or the animated statues that uh, that we get. It, it's a um, it was a crazy story. I thought it was fantastic. I super dug the ending, and because um, I thought we were going to zig and and we zagged, and um, and I'm I'm so glad that uh, that the story was told that it exists. I co-sign with Jason saying I absolutely recommend it. Big ups. There you go. All right, people. We would love to have you in our Slack community. And there's only one way to do that. That's go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and look around. If you want to join, you will, depending if you join on that tier, you will become a member of our Slack community and spend every single freaking day with us. Like our friend Ray Wagner. Yeah, Ray Wagner is among the Slack now. We love him so much. Um, it's like I said, it's family. Uh, we, we, uh, a large part of my day is just checking in and chiming in on the Slack. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. That's all I can say. Do that. Go to, uh, Patreon. No, I said that. Go to Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and Facebook, 11oclockcomics.com. We'll have all the pictures delineating, uh, everything we talked about tonight. Yeah. Just in the meantime. Say goodnight. What's that guy's name, Jason? What's that? Oh, what? oh, oh. Is oh, it um, Ted? No. Wait, Ted? No, it's. I think it's Jonesy? No. What is Dude, what his name? What are you n- talking about? David. That's the name I'm looking oh. for. Oh. I think we're asking me the name of Peleus. <laughs> He's so fucking weird. I thought you were asking me about Apelius, my friend. (laughs) I love you so much. I do. You 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 can you don't do asides. You got to be plugged in all the time. Oh shit! (laughs) David, nice. All right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. We'll be back very soon. Maybe sooner than you think with more of this stuff. So, gentlemen, tell them how much you love them and appreciate them. Big time love. Lots and lots of it. Long as my arms are wide. Look at that. He must be in a good mood. He never says something like that. He'll say, well, I love some of you. <laughs> well, they know who they are. He's hugging all of you. Take it. You just won. We're out of here. Uh, yes, sir. He's out. That's it for that one.